were just talk, I was just talking about this church called I Town Church. Have you have you anybody driven by that church? Yeah. You have. What a name! This is. This, yeah. We should call ourselves I Town East. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I Tabernacle. Uh, I don't know. Let's stand up. Let's get our first song going. Great and mighty.
my Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. about giving us an update on Robert. I'll let him do that, but um, Miss Jan is home, recuperate, recovering from um, pneumonia, and Miss Joyce, I believe, has she been moved? Anybody know for sure? Did she make it today to rehab? Nobody knows for sure. Uh, so that, that was the plan, so hopefully uh, she's at rehab, and uh, they discovered that her medication was off, and that was causing her to be confused, and she had fallen, so uh, that's why she was there. So anyway... I just keep praying for uh, those folks. Robert will give you, or Dennis will give you an update about Robert in just a minute. I wanted to uh, share with you, of course, uh, some things about Taylor. There's a paper out here on the Welcome Center that has his uh, doctrinal statement on the back. It's got some uh, reference notes of people who 
uh, we spoke to or got uh, notes from about him. Uh, so I just wanted to share those things with you. The one I'm going to share with you out loud, you guys can read the rest of them, is Mark Ward was a uh, pastor here in Indiana for several years up on the north side of, uh, well, not north side, up in Tipton, Indiana. And uh, now he has been down at Pensacola about, about 10 years, maybe, something like that. About 10 years teaching down there. Uh, he teaches biblical counseling and those kinds of things. But anyway, he uh, here's his his uh, recommendation note, you will not be disappointed with this boy. He is one of the sharpest youth pastor majors we've, we've produced. He's an Indiana boy as well. His fiance is one of the most godly girls on campus. She was in several of my classes as well. So, it's, uh, you know, he gave glowing reviews about, uh, about Taylor. Some of you have come and you've expressed some things. Like, okay, Pastor, this is things that we don't know about. Well, okay, so I'm going to just kind of walk you through the process. I know this is all a new process for us. We've always hired people that we know. And this is one of those times you hire people you don't. How do you hire people that you don't really know? And uh, I'm going to just tell you, you know, how you hire people that you don't really know, which you know how to do this, but anyway. And that is you rely on uh, what you do know about them, the schooling that they have, the the other connections that they have, ministry connections, churches that they attended. Uh, so he did an internship at the campus church, an internship at uh, the church that Dave Young attends. Uh, so Dave Young is one of the ones that I spoke to. You can see the things that he will talk about on there. Um, so there's um, all you, that's all you can do, quite honestly, is say, okay, I'm gonna, we're going to pull together the information that we know. And at some point, you say, okay, I'm going to trust that what I do know would produce the things that it produces here, right? I mean, that's the, the idea of it. Um, so that was one thing that was brought up. How do we get to know him? And I'm just going to tell you how you can get to know him. You're welcome. I'll give you his number if you want. You're welcome to call him, to text him, to do whatever. They're online, I think. I don't really know. I don't follow them online that much. But I'm sure they're online out there someplace because they're kids. So they're online out there someplace and all that kind of stuff. Um, then uh, another concern that was voiced to me was, he's young. And I'm going to say to you, um, that's true. He's young if you consider a master's degree to be, like, young and inexperienced, but okay. But I'm going to say he's the exact same age that Andrew was when we hired him, the exact same age that Brett was when we hired him. They all did the exact same thing as far as went to college, got their master's. We hired them out of those programs. So is he young? Yes, he is. Um, I'm going to tell you why that's a benefit. Don't take that as a, as a, as a critique because it's not. It's actually a benefit, and I'll tell you a lot of reasons why. Uh, there's a reason why Andrew, after 11 and a half years, said, I'm done working with youth, with teenagers, because it takes a lot of energy, and it takes that mindset and you grow out of it, you know, so hiring a 30-year-old youth pastor is almost impossible, you understand, so it's, that's, you're right, he's young, but that's, the benefit of that is that he is, he has an understanding of where those teenagers are that you and I don't really have, even as parents and as grandparents, we don't have the same con concept of it, uh, so that's, that's a benefit. You know, you take that, you train it, and then it's a, and then it's a benefit. Comes to our church, and you say, okay, I, and I'm going to just tell you, I like having young guys because young guys challenge you. 
right? Churches will get in a rut very quickly if we're not careful. A young guy comes in and pushes the envelope, right? And uh, that gives me a chance to train him, you a chance to train him. It also makes us, it challenges us. Why do we think this? Why do we do this this way? And is it, could we actually, do you know what COVID did for us while we hated it, we despised it? COVID dragged us kicking and screaming into the 21st century. That's what it did, you know. All of a sudden, we, we were doing things online we never imagined we would ever do, and we didn't know how, to just three or four years ago. But here we are. It's not been a detriment to us. It's probably a real benefit if we want to reach 20-somethings, we want to reach teenagers. There's a benefit to having that. So I, I, I view the youth aspect, quite honestly, as the plus. That's the positive, not the negative, in my opinion. You can deal with it however you want, but uh, I view it as a positive. So you're just going to have to take that time to get to know him and uh, to do those kinds of things. And, you know, uh, hopefully uh, that will all work out for you. So um, the other thing, and this is I'm just going to encourage you to talk to David, okay? So, uh, and David knows that we're talking about this. So, um, you know, several of you, not, not a ton. Most of you remember that when we, when we started this, we said God has a call on David's life. And we're not going to stop that call. But you start getting people coming up and saying, David, you're doing a great job. David, why don't we just hire you? David, why don't you just stay? And all of a sudden, a guy who for three solid years was standing up and telling us, this is what God wants me to do, starts saying, I wonder what God wants me to do. I'm just being honest with you guys. That's, that's us working against the plan here. You understand? We can't play that role. We just can't. Uh, we don't want to tinker with God's will. Because if all we're looking for is opportunities, I mean, an open door does not God's will make. Because all you have to do is go down the street to the next church, and you know what they need? They need a David. Who doesn't need a David? You know, my oh my. You know, I mean, there's a thousand churches within a 15-mile radius of us probably that could would gladly take somebody like that. And so opportunities are are there. But without our input and without the emotion of loving our kids, which isn't that wonderful that we got somebody in here that would love our kids. That's what we were asking him to do. He said, this is what I think God wants me to do. And we're going to help him continue to do what God wants him to do. So we've sat down and talked about this at length because quite honestly, I'm not God either. I'm not trying to put words in God's mouth for David. But, you know, after we've talked it through, he's like, you know what, Pastor? I just want you to know, I, I'm, I'm committed to the three-year commitment that he's had for all this. So I'm going to, I don't know how you, I, tell him you love him, all right? We all want him to stay for, I want everybody, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want anybody to ever leave our church. You know how, you know how that is? I, I get a little bit perturbed sometimes when God calls people away from our church. Like, wait a minute, God, we've invested so much. And God's like, I know, and they're my servants, so thank you very much. I'm taking them here, right? Um, I, would, I wish everybody would just come and stay. But, um, you know, God's put a call in his life, and I'm excited to see what that call's going to look like. I really am, and I uh, can't wait for it. So, I mean, I'm just trying to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think anybody in this room loves David more than I love David. You know, I've, I've invested at least as much as you have in his life over the last 
10, 12 years. Probably more if I could just say it that way. You know, I love him to death. So let's love him enough to let him do what God's called him to do. You know, so don't get in the way is all I'm trying to say. Let's be careful with, with what we're doing there. So anyway, just that, enough said for all of that. Um, you know, so we've got somebody we're thinking about, praying about, and, and so you say, I don't know how to answer this, Pastor John, because I don't know him. And so this gets tough, right? So when, I, when we're praying, what are we praying for? A feeling? Lord, what does it feel like? Is he the right one? Give me the feeling, and that's not good. We don't want to do that. So we just look at the back, what we have. You know, here's what he, here's what he brings to the plate, what we know. Here's how he's been trained. Here's the things he's done. You know, and we that's how we have to look at this. You know, so I'm just trying to encourage you with it. I'm not you know, again, I'm not God. I'm, I'm not God in this situation either, right? You understand? I'm, I'm not God. I just uh wanna make sure that we're focusing on those things. Dennis is gonna give us an update. You gonna sing us a song tonight too? Gonna sing us a song and uh then we'll hand it over to Brother Ross. God bless you, church. And uh so I want to be cognitive of Brother Ron's time. Uh, I just wanted to share a song. God's really laid it on my heart in that. And, and Pastor, I do praise the Lord. It is a, an extension of Philippians 4.17. The church is invested. And it's actually an extension of Southeast Baptist Tabernacle to be there in Missouri. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm here. Praise the Lord. Amen. Um, I wanted to share a song. It's let the lower lights be burning. It's uh, something uh, uh, one of D.L. Uh, Moody's meetings in America. He related the story of a shipwreck, and um, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with it. On a dark and tempestuous night, and to cut to the chase, they're at the shipwreck and lost lives in that. And um, so he he comes back and and he says, uh, you know, among. Uh, and then Moody made his appeal to the audience after hearing, you know, telling the story and everything. And he made the appeal to the audience in which I make the appeal to Southeast Baptist Tabernacle because it's not, you know, I, it, it just dawned on me. It's not, not just the law. You know, when we talk about let you, the lower lights be burning, you know, it's also uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's also, you know, the devil is really wrecking families, wrecking lives. You know, Christians and that. And so I just wanted to make also that application and, and to uh, with Southeast Baptist Tabernacle as well. Um, that brothers, the master will take care of the great lighthouse and uh, let us keep the lower lights burning. Brightly beams our Father's mercy from his lighthouse evermore. But to us he gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. Let the lower lights be burning, send a gleam across the way. Some poor fainting, struggling seaman, you may rescue you may save dark the night of sin has settled loud the angry billows roar eager eyes 
watching, longing for the lights along the shore. Let the lower lights be burning, send a gleam across the wave. Some poor fainting, struggling seaman, you may rescue, you may save. Trim your feeble lamp, my brother, some poor sailor tempest-tossed, trying now to make the harbor in the darkness may be lost. Let the lower lights be burning, send the gleam across the wave. Some poor fainting, struggling seaman, you may rescue, you may save. And I just want to give an update. I praise the Lord again for this church and that. And, you know, it's <clears throat> Diane and I, we've gone out late in life and that. And, you know, God has, for whatever reason, saved me first and been trying to get our family saved and that. And there's three of them that still need to be saved. And the Lord is really blessing. You know, we're out there in Missouri and that. And two years ago when we got called and we were in Missouri, we learned that we're just a couple of hours, a little more than a couple of hours from my oldest sister's house. And uh, we immediately started praying for opportunity in that. And I shared this morning everything you're getting tonight. But um, And so uh, the Lord actually had a church plant in my sister's town in Glasgow, Arkansas. And uh, it's two years old. And praise the Lord, right? And so, uh, you know, like... Uh, my dad got saved. You know, we asked the pastor to go and visit and that. And and so the pastor went and visited. And, and along with us, she still doesn't want to be converted, okay, but uh, pray for him. And uh, we got to go down there. We talked to the pastor. And we got to present. And it was a great visit that we had down there. Uh, we presented. Couldn't get her to go to the service and that. But, you know, we got uh, the introductory uh, video that we have and uh, Brother Samuel's uh, video of uh, the Christian Servicemen Center on flash drive, and you've seen it here. And so my brother-in-law wouldn't wouldn't give us time, the time of day. Uh, he would always get up and walk away, and we'd be there visiting with my sister. But this trip, you know, it was a real blessing. It was a real change. He allowed me to pray at all the meals and different times and stuff like that. Um, my sister still doesn't want to be converted, but it was a different conversation. We were able to still get further down the road. But I left the, the video, the, the flash drive on the table, and I said, here, you know, just take a look at this. And he did two years in the in the military as well. So there's things he didn't know about us, and he just has learned. But anyway, he just left it there on the table, but then I noticed it was gone one day. And I got a text or an email from my sister that he actually watched it and was really impressed to be quite honest with you and and she was impressed that he even watched it and even had some good comments to make and not to my credit or anything i want you to see the holy spirit working you know we keep talking and witnessing to our families and our friends and that and you know we're out on the mission field and that and it's the same thing everywhere we go 
You know, we can't just be one and done. And we have to keep praying, power of prayer. And it works. And so, anyway, that, that was awesome. We went from there. We went to Bearden, Arkansas and uh, for a five-day uh, uh, missions conference. And that was a real blessing. Um, we got to uh, uh, do, uh, we presented, I presented, I preached. We went soul winning a couple of times. I mean, they, they keep track on the board, you know, numbers and things like that. And they went from four saved to, there was 15 saved by the time we got done um, at, on, on the Friday. It was Friday, right? No, Sunday. Sunday, and we came here Monday. So, yeah, we left from there to come here. But, you know, we had fellowship. There was ministry there, too, in the body. There was military there. And I met a soldier there and his wife, you know, his family. And they wanted to take us out to lunch. And we just had a great time and sharing scripture and that. And it, it was really a bonding time as well in that. And uh, and Pastor is military himself, and he did several years. And, I mean, it was just it was just uh, God really working and blessing. It's a deputation ministry. And I do believe, pray for that. It's Fellowship Baptist Church. And I do believe they're going to go ahead and take us on um, um, for uh, support. Um, so, yeah, so we're, uh, you know, We've been praying two years ago. We prayed. We once we were praying for our relief already. I'm 63, right? So I don't know how long God's going to allow us to do what we do, but I know He says 70 years, right? So seven plus 60, you know, that's seven years, right? So anyway, we're praying. Anyway, uh, there is a, a there's a soldier in our church, and uh, done several years, but he had to get out for medical reasons and that. And uh, he came up to me and he's like, hey, you know what, God's really been stirring my heart. If you need me to do a Bible study or come help out or whatever. And he just lives five miles down the road from us. And so, uh, you know, he's working on Fort Leonard Wood. But anyway, he's like, I will do that. And I'm like, wow, praise the Lord. And, you know, I'm saying, well, you know, we're on deputation and we're trying to grow the ministry in that. And that's what we're trying to do. And it's difficult to be in two places at one time. And he's like, well, you know, I'll go, I'll go there. I'll fill in when you're not around and all that. So that's just a big answer to prayer and covet your prayers on that and how God is working and, and to uh, make sure that we, we get that taken care of. And then, and then Rob, boy, praise the Lord. God is incredible. Oh, man, day after surgery, he's up walking. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it went well. It went really well. Put the rods and the screws in and... and um, you know, we got five days. We'll get the results back from the the, uh, the test and that, you know, for what they took out. Um, the pathology report, right. So five more days. Just, just pray. I mean, God's working, and, and he gets up, and he's walking down. Now, he is using a walker, and he's walking down the hallway, and uh, they're like, okay, you ready to turn around? He's like, oh, no, no. <laughs> he's just like a little tank. And uh, he goes down further. You ready to turn? No. <laughs> the third time, you know, like, you need to turn around. He he got down by the elevator that I told him pastor. I think he was probably trying to get out, but anyway, um, he he came back, got him up. He walked him today, and what they're going to do is they're 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 moving him to another room. So it's a progression to get out of the hospital. They're not going to do therapy. He's going to go home as soon as he's ready to be released. And so they're moving him from a place where they're caring for him right now to a room that's less of the the care, and then and he can get up and do things on his own because he. He's getting up, and um, he's able to do things on his own and stuff like that. So, you know, the, the, the things that need to happen after a surgery, and most of you know what I'm talking about, you know, those things, feel, you know, are they're working on in that. So. But, uh, 
But praise the Lord, you know, another day with our brother, right? Amen. To God be the glory. Good evening. Last Wednesday we talked about the road to Damascus, and that was the road to conversion. Tonight we're going to talk about the road to Arabia, and that is the road uh, of Christian spiritual growth. And I want to again say hello to Robert. He's listening or watching tonight as well. It's a miracle that God is doing in his life. And and fact is, um, hint, hint, Pastor John, he's going to ask you for a service. He's got so much to say, uh, such a wonderful testimony that he has. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 to 18, we hear these words, we read these words, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of God. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not of man, for I neither received it of man, Neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation of my conversion in times past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son to me, in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to, up to Jerusalem to them, which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and I abode with him 15 days. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3 says, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make, known, make thee known that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. The Bible says that the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. And so it is. We discover more so every single day. 
I want you to turn with me to the psalmist, Psalm 119. It truly is talking to us and speaks to us about the road of growth. Uh, I made the comment this morning that when we fail to read God's Word and allow God's Word to speak to us on a day-to-day basis, we become spiritually malnourished. If the only exposure to God's Word is what we hear from the pulpit, and we always hear God's Word from this pulpit here, amen? But if that is the only exposure that we have to God's Word, we are cheating ourselves. We are robbing ourselves of the joy. The Bible is is the Word of God, and, and it, it leaps out on the page to us and speaks to us. We, we learn so much. We gain so much insight when we study God's Word and read it and uh, listen to it and let it uh, nurture our souls. It can't be, there's no substitute for it. It has to be, we have to feed on it and allow it to nurture us and to grow in it, for that is the road of growth, the Arabian road. And if we consider that, I want us to consider Psalm 119, because it tells us so much about God's Word and what it does for us. Psalm 119.28 says, My soul melted for heaviness, strengthened the, through me according unto thy word. There are resources available to us in God's word. And the psalmist um, identified so many of these resources to us in the 119th Psalm. In verse 50, the psalmist said, um, this is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. The word of God quickens us. That means it, it stops us to, to really uh, gain our attention as we look at it. It doesn't just quicken us in verse 28. It strengthens us. It, um, it says... In verse 28, this is my comfort. Uh, Hello, verse 28. Uh, My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. It does bring strength to us. It's strength to strength as we study God's word. It it embodes us to, to want to do more in service for the master it not only strengthens us but it quickens us in verse 50 this is my comfort in my affliction for thy word hath quickened me quickened again uh, grabs us and consumes us in in all that we would say and do 
It's the everlasting word, as we see in the Psalm in, in 89, the 89th verse, which tells us again how that the word of God is, is eternal to us. It's something that doesn't pass. It is always there forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Some people used to say, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, that's not quite a true statement. God said it, and that settles it whether I believe it or not. That settles it forever. The Word of God not only quickens and is everlasting, but it is also um, a sweetening word to us. In verse 103, uh, we see, how that how sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Yes, it's Valentine's Day. It's sweet. But let me tell you, there is nothing sweeter than the Word of God. There is nothing that that is more dear to the believer who is serious and growing in Christ than God's Word. The Word of God is also our guiding Word. In verse 105, we see, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You ever go outside and take a walk late at night when it's dark, it's difficult to see unless you have some kind of a light to go with you. The Word of God is that light. And we can see with it, it goes before us. And Jesus is with us when we take that walk. You remember the two disciples, the, the two on the road to Emmaus? And Jesus drew beside of them as, as they walked that night. And one said to the other, Didn't our hearts burn deeply within us as he walked and talked with us? Doesn't our hearts burn deeply within us as we read the precious Word of God? It is so precious to us. It's a sweet word. And it, it lights our path when otherwise we would stumble for not being able to see. The Word of God is a school teacher, if you will. That may be a bad connotation to some of you, but I tell you what, school teachers of God's Word are precious. They're precious to us. There's a precious school teacher sitting over there. Uh, literally, he teaches school, too. I, I forgot that. He does. But uh, he's been doing that ever since before he lost his hair. And uh, I just had to get that in. Just had to get that in. And um, the Word of God guides us. The lamp to our feet guides us and it protects us in verse 114 the word of God protects us thou art my hiding place and my shield 
I hope in thy word. Yes, it it guides us. It's a sword and a shield to us. You know, uh, the, the writer of Hebrews said, put on the helmet of salvation. The 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 shield that, that guides and, and protects us. And God's Word does that to us. In the verse 14, it's a shield of protection for us, the helmet of salvation for us. In verse 130, it enlightens us. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. You know, it's it's not as much what I don't know that bothers me as, as what I do know about God's Word. The Bible says, He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him is sin. And the Bible tells us precisely what is what sin is and how sin separates us from God. And the best way to not be separated from God is to grow in His grace and the knowledge of the Word of God. It enlightens us in all of those ways, giving light in the midst of the darkness. And it's a purifying word in verse 140. Thy word is very pure, and therefore thy servant loveth it. You show me someone that doesn't love God's Word. They just need to get saved. If you if you love God, you're going to love the Word because that Word brings purification to us. We can't read it. We We can read the same verses time and time and time again, and it always says something new to us again. Always. The writer of, of Ecclesiastes talked about nothing being to everything. There's a season and there's nothing new under the sun. There's always something new when we study God's Word. Always. It also t- tells us the truth in verse 160. Thy word is true from from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endures forever. You think about that. God's word, man changes, times change, but God's word doesn't change. It's the constant for us to listen to it and to meditate upon it. It's the whole key to growth is found in God's infallible, inerrant word that we preach and believe with all of our hearts. And, you know, I I guess the old school, uh, I'm partial to, to King James because I truly believe that it's the most beautiful, most accurate translation that has ever been given to us. And I'm thankful that that uh, 
Southeast Baptist Tabernacle is a King James Bible, is a King James church because King James, there, there are, there's a lot of uh, modern translations that may uh, say something in a, a modern context that you can understand, but none of them compare to, compare to the beauty of the King James. For the Bible, the Word of God causes us to grow because it tells the truth. The Psalm 1905 again uh, tells us, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Bible also speaks of the word of truth, referring to itself. Psalm 119.43 says, tells us that, and take not the word of truth utterly out from my, from my mouth, for I have hope in thy judgments. Acts 26.25 says to us, Twenty six, twenty five. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth words of truth and soberness. Paul said that, talking about the Word of God, again, as being the truth to Second uh, Corinthians 6, 7, tells us, again, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. Again, the Bible being described as the word of truth. Ephesians 1.13 is another verse testifying in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after ye that ye believed, ye were sealed with that holy scripture of promise. Where can we go except to Jesus? And where do we find Jesus? We find him in our heart, but we find him in his word as well. If you want to know more about Jesus, look to his word, for there it is. James 1.18 is another favorite scripture that says, Of his own will beget he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Think about that. We become a fruit. And, you know, people say, Well, I'm not to judge. But we can be fruit inspectors. And if, if, if it is contrary to what the Word says, it's sin, pure and simple, no matter what. And Malachi 24:13 says the Word of God 
He shall return unto the heart of the fathers to, his, to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. It is a word that will not pass away. And then John 6, 63, it's the word of eternal life. In John 6, 68, it is the spirit that quickened, the flesh profited, Sixty, yeah, go back to sixty-three, please. The profited nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. The old Spear family used to sing a song. Mom and Dad Spear, Ben and Brock used to sing, "I just began to live. I just began to live." Since Jesus came and made me whole, I just began to live. Such truth. We only begin to live when we begin to take on the road of growth in, in the study of the precious Word of God. And then Philippians 2.16 says to us, Philippians 2.16, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. That's a promise. If we live and continue studying and being rooted in God's word, we have the abundant life. And that's what this whole series is about on Wednesdays, is the roads to the abundant life. The Galatian road, the road of conversion, uh, the, the road of growth, the Damascus road was a road of conversion. And next week we'll see the road of witnessing. Uh, the Jerusalem road and and so it is so important to us to study the Word. And one of the, the most favorites is James 1, 22. It says, To be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. Think about that. Don't just hear it. But do it. I don't remember who it was. One of the president's wife, maybe it was Nancy Reagan, that that talked about uh, just do it uh, when it came to the drug war that would continuously be in. She would faint if she was alive today and see the fentanyl and the drugs that are out there today, and and the key to the drug crisis in this country is God's Word. And the only ones that are going to share God's Word is the church. And if we share the Word of God, all the young people, they'll turn away from those horrible 
drugs that that come into our country and tries to to steal the lives of our young people. Let me tell you, I know what it is to hear my wife scream. And I ran into the into the garage and I saw my son. This was years ago. His eyes already appeared to be dilated and fixed. And I started using CPR on him. I thought I'd lost him. All because he had gotten a hold of some fentanyl. It was the scariest moment, and I kept pounding and pounding, and finally a neighbor heard uh, my wife's screams, and uh, he came running up there and saw me and saw my son. He went running back to his house and came up with some Narcan. And he gave him that Narcan, and up he came real quick. But had it not been, had it not been, for the grace of God, we would have lost him right then and there. The key, if there is anybody that's going to stand up to the drug crisis in this country, it's got to be the church. The church has to share that testimony that what they really want in life is found in God's Word. And if they grow in the Word, they will avoid those things altogether. And how I pray to God that the church will be the voice and be more forceful. Did you know that there are less people in attendance in church today in America on a given Sunday than there was 10 and 15 years ago. The church is is losing its message, I'm sorry to say, in not being out more, being more vocal about the Word of God and what it has to say on these issues of our day. The church needs to be not laughed and scoffed at from the world, but the church needs to regain its its holistic view with with our society. It needs to regain the the scriptures and the key growth. And they won't get that with a typical prosperity gospel on TV. But they will get it from a God-fearing, thank God there's still a few out there that, that are bold in preaching God's Word that don't have some kind of a, uh, a smile that would knock you down or, or a breath that would knock you over or, or, <laughs> or whatever. But I uh, shouldn't have said that. Anyway. The church must become bold again and act like it was quickened by the Word of God and, and, and stand up and be counted. Christ is the answer for the ills of our society as well as the world. And we've got to stand firmly on it 
and encourage one another to grow, to hold one another accountable for growing in Christ and not be malnourished infants dependent upon the world's views to shape us. To the contrary, we as the church are to be the shapers of the world. We as the church are to be the shapers and and to be the heralding the gospel to the, the lost world and to our lost society that has a feel-good, do-it attitude instead of being harnessed with the truth of God's Word. We must proclaim the Word. We must believe that Word. The Word of Truth. Finally, one scripture, Hebrews four, twelve. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I guess my time has run out on me again, Pastor. I thank you so much for coming tonight, and I trust that that uh, you'll take heed to the road to spiritual growth and development is found, again, in the perfect law of liberty, God's inherent, infallible word. Let us pray. Father, thank you again for your the gift of your word. How that, that uh, those of old, in, under the commission of King James, translated the Word, Your Word, in order that we might be able to read it today. Thank You that we don't read Your Word in isolation, but You always speak to us through it, and You you give us the spirit of discernment to discern uh, what the Word is saying to us at any given moment. We thank you again for it. We thank you for this time together. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.